0: Everybody
1: should listen to me and me Radio at me and me radio. It's a great place to listen to Buddy, there it is. You're listening to Pantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday here. Thank you here for listening. We're going to finish up with the happy hour open mic, and then we're going to get into a hell hat. Yeah. It's going to be great tonight. I have a lot of gifts for the audience. They are 420 friendly. I made gummy bears today with Ooh. weed in them. So I know what... So, like, figure out what we're talking about in the uh, every L hat basket has a theme. And if you figure out the theme, you get gummies. So you Ooh. just got to yell them out. But we're going to finish out the happy, happy hour, Easter hour Easter with fun Easter Fun Basket with your special host, Evelyn Erie Diamond. Oh. Give it up. Yay!
2: All right. That was Pam Benjamin. She is a fucking badass. Love her. Um. All right, you guys, give it up for your next comedian, Mr. Xavier
3: Compost. <laughs> San Francisco, what's up? And you guys look really, really good. I love San Francisco. I think San Francisco is a beautiful people, man. I actually just came back from LA, and I was really good guys, so well, done, well done for real. You know, actually, I just All of your pictures would be like about four AM. Four AM is like that weird time like did he have really? No, no, I don't right it happens for sure. I think it's better at keeping track of. And I don't mean in the way of like, oh, my God, big brother. They're after me, oh right? um, I will say it's a little weird that every time I look at it, it follows me. Around. Not what I'm talking about. Um, I've actually been keeping of my But guys, guys, it's not what you think. I swear, it's not to get back with it. Things ended really, really bad, so I'm just trying to the, exact moment the hair color. Somebody was like, that's when you're... You know, I had almost stopped when I saw a nose ring, but I got some people together and were like, oh, no, you got to wait it out a little bit longer. Yeah, we as a group decided once the hair is died, so has the memory of you, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's ac- it's actually for uh, it's for the better. I was in a really bad relationship. Uh, I hated getting in fights, right? Uh, who likes to fight in a relationship? I don't know if you guys are familiar with like this move, like like the front and back of your hands. Um, it was like I was getting in a fight with a magician or something, right? It was like, as you can see, there's nothing in my hand. And then ta-da, something to fight about out of thin air, guys. Out of nowhere at all. I was, like, amazed, you know, in the back of my mind. Like, like I'd be engaging in the fight in the back of my mind. and just be like, how did she do that, right? Like, And I don't know if you guys have ever seen, like, this. Like, they, like they get so mad, they grab something out of the air and then show you, like, their nails. It's like... It's your card <laughs> <laughs> no um, like uh, living in the bay is crazy man i'm actually from southern california i don't know if you could tell like that's why his voice sounds like that right <laughs> you're like oh wow this guy's really committing his life to a horrible matthew mcconaughey impression and i just do I not know. get it <laughs> like hey you got any beer be a lot cooler if you did you see what i mean this is just my life this is just what i'm working with You know, the other day, I got into an Uber up here, and um, it had signs all over the inside of it, and it said, vocal fry, and it had a big circle and then an X through it. What I wish I would have said was, oh boy, you're about to be in for it. Instead, I got in there, and I was like, what up? (laughs) He immediately looked at me like he just wanted to kill me. And um, what I should have said was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. But instead, I was like, all right, (laughs) all right, all right. No, no friends. <laughs> it's no, it's okay. I'm getting this one guy <laughs> in the corner, and I'm loving him for it. Living in San Francisco is really, really strange, though. I will say that you have the most fit older people that I, I've lived all over California. The most fit older people I've seen all through the state. Like every time I see an older person about to cross the street, I don't know if they're about to cross the street or fuck up the hundred yard dash. Right? I don't know if you guys seen it. It's very much like. And they just cross the street. It's never anything too crazy, but they just cross the street. And, you know, I'm, I'm new up here, and I just uh, found a place recently. There's a lot of slashes when you're looking for a place in San Francisco, right? It's like your bedroom slash kitchen slash bathroom. <laughs> you know, um, I had my first place up here. There was no, uh, like, there was a gap between two walls, and they just stuffed a bunch of tissue paper and it would just blow like that in the wind. And that acted as my A.C. Proof I was living a sad, sad life, right. <laughs> You know, I think the hardest part about sharing like a small space with somebody is like keeping the bathroom clean. Right, and I had like I would always get into like these tidbits with my roommate James, and uh, I got really passive aggressive. I was like, you know, what, I'm just not gonna clean it for a couple weeks. I'm gonna see how long it takes him. And a few weeks go by, and then he comes up to me and he's just like, Hey, Xavier, you know, like uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the bathroom's gotten really dirty. I was like, Yeah. It, it really has. And he's like, I was wondering if you could just go in there and do your thing. Mm. And this got me so, so mad. I don't know if you guys can tell or not, but I'm Mexican. So this just really struck a nerve with me. I was like, do your thing? What does that mean? And I'm like, I'm working out just exactly what I'm going to say to him. And then I noticed there's a little envelope on the scene. And he's just like fucking off in the next room, looking out the window. And then I'm looking at the envelope. I'm looking at him. And I open up the envelope. I notice there's a little bit of money in there. So I'm getting really, really angry. I'm working out just what I'm going to say. And before I do, guys, I just picked up the Clorox and I started cleaning the bathroom. Thank you so much. You guys are a lot of fun.
2: (laughs) All right. Good job, Xavier. Good job. All right, we're bringing up our last comedian for the night. Um, This has been really fun, you guys. Thank you so much. Um, You guys have been great. Uh, Okay, you guys ready for him? All right, give it up for Mr. Jason Mack.
4: Thanks for uh, having me on. I kind of walked in a little bit late. I appreciate it. Um, I haven't been on stage in a while. Wow, this is awesome. Uh, getting older is a bitch, though. I, I, I noticed that I had, you so I have like a little band-aid on my, my ear, but I noticed I had a bark, and it kept, it wasn't healing, and it kept bleeding. And so I made an appointment with Kaiser, and today they sent me to the dermatologist. And this young girl comes in, and I had, uh, you know, put a, Traditional smock on. you know, Take your all your clothes off because she's gonna, you know, inspect you from head to toe. And and I don't know how many you've been to the doctor as a man. It's one of those. It's those fearful things to have like some random lady that she's gonna you know, fully inspect my body. And she starts going, you know, looking at my head really closely. And, and she's got to be 35 years old, attractive at the same time, which even makes it worse. And she's going to my back and she sees some spots and she's like, Oh my God, those! And I go, Do I have anything that's you know looks out of place or anything, anything strange? And she's like, No, no, you just have some of these wisdom spots, and the first time I'm like, wisdom spots? My ass, like, what are those really? It's like aging spots. Those are aging spots. She's like, yeah, but we try and be PC about it. Um, but the the part that is, she's inspecting and getting lower and lower, and I have the smock being pulled down lower and lower, uh, and getting closer and closer to an area, and I'm thinking to myself, no, please don't let her have to inspect that area. Tell me she's going to pass over my nether regions down here and of course she pulls up the smock and the first thing I want to say is like hey hey don't worry like I'm really I'm, a, I, I'm not a shower I'm a grower I'm not a shower I swear to God um but that that was awkward in that moment um but I figure like that's the worst it can get like you know you figure you go out and the only time you see somebody naked is generally if you've been in a relationship or you have a one-night stand and in this case I figured it was it was as bad as it possibly was going to get and I anyway, I okay, can't whatever I don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> uh what else um but it's it's crazy getting old older here in the city like I just recently broke up with my girlfriend and I have some some buddies that uh some younger friends like dude dude you got to get out and like you know man, y- there's a, the cougar scene and I was like dude you can get out just get back out there I'm, And I started thinking I'm like at my age like my cougars are like 75 years old <laughs> I'm like what a dick like this guy this guy, his cougars are, are getting him. He's getting like iPhones and Nanos. I'm getting government savings bonds and silver dollars at this point. <laughs> you know, year long supply of Werther's candy. That's fucking great. Um, but also my friends, I feel like I'm one of the last Mohicans. And most of my friends have gotten married. They moved to the East Bay. They're all in the suburbs. They're having children. And I get these random calls from buddies of mine. And it's like, dude, I'm in the city. Dude, I'm in the fucking city. I'm in the city. And I'm always like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm doing my thing. I'm sitting on my couch, eating some Ben and Jerry's, you know, watching the Discovery Channel. Like, no, you gotta come out. We're going to the strip joints. It's gonna be amazing. I'm like, I don't care. The strip joints are down the street. I see them all the time. Like, no, check this out. We have free entrance passes to this place, and the women are completely nude, and you can touch them. I'm always like, What time you picking me up? But it's not like I go to their town. I don't go to their fucking town. I'm like, Dude, I'm in fucking Pleasanton. I'm in fucking Pleasanton, yeah, get your kids, we're going to the Costco. The little Filipino lady who serves the free samples is fully clothed and you can touch her. Afterward, we'll go to Applebee's, the park i will push your kid on the fucking swing, we'll be in bed by nine. Um, what else? Uh, I work with like a, a, a mixed group of people, but a lot of younger people uh, at a tech company, go fucking figure. And... This guy who's roughly my age, I started growing my, like, just wasn't shaving or anything. And he's, like, kept saying to me, like, throughout the day, he's, like, dude, what, are you a hipster now? What, are you a fucking hipster? I kept, like, no, dude, just fucking, I didn't shave. He's, like, kept nagging at me. And finally, I'm, like, listen, just shut up, And I got, I got a fucking cold sore. And he's, like, Jason has herpes. Jason has herpes. And I'm, like, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. I'm a hipster. What? Um... Yeah, so the Me Too campaign thing is is, is huge. And um, I did my part the other night. There was this young girl walking home, and I stopped following her. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Being bald is – people like, scared to laugh. Oh, that's not fucking – oh, that's touchy. Who cares? Um, how do you recover from that? Uh, it sucks. You know the funny thing is about being bald. I find like I start to look like every other bald guy. I don't get do the same thing. Like somebody like, yo, hey, give it up for Bruce Willis. Yeah, fucking give it up for Moby. Moby's in the house. Yeah, oh, Gollum's here tonight. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, yeah, you know the other day someone say, like, hey man, someone called me they're like, hey dude, you look like uh, uh, Mister Clean with AIDS. You know I'm like, thanks, I appreciate it. Um. So uh, what else do I want to leave you with. Um, Yeah, the dating scene is kind of crazy, this online kind of shit, and this girl was like, hey, you know, um, I just want you to know, Jason, that I'm gonna go out with you, but I'm not gonna sleep with you on the first date. I'm like, okay, what about the last? That's my time, you guys have been great.
2: Give it up for all the comedians in the room. Everybody did a great job tonight. All right, I wanna leave you guys with one last joke. Uh, this is a cautionary tale. Um, I was uh, I was in line for the movie theater the other day. I was in line to get the ticket and um, behind me in line were these two little people and this couple, right? And um, I looked back and I was like, you guys, if you want, why don't you borrow my trench coat? One of you can get on the other one's shoulders, right? And then you only gotta pay for one ticket. Awesome. Okay, this is what I found out. Uh, little people don't like awesome ideas. That's the first thing I figured out. Yeah, figured that out. Uh, also figured out that little people have like average sized person anger. Did you guys know about this? I totally thought it was proportional, but no. I'm Mary Diamond. Thank you so much, you guys.
5: Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a patter? Mutiny Radio. FM has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat.
2: <laughs> hey, everybody. Listen to the weekly review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m.,
6: good evening there my friends here at mutinyradio.f and chester Cashcock here and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there and uh, i just wanted to let you guys know that anytime i go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash i can't help but listen to pamtastic's comedy clubhouse every friday from 8 to 10 p.m i mean But if you can't make it to Mutiny Randy, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak. Sailing. So All you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash clubhouse, or you can listen live. Every
7: down enjoy our patio it's open uh, in the afternoon not really in the evening but a lot of good folks hanging out back there come on down give us a shot drop by the bar make some friends thanks folks Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District San Francisco California
1: with a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. don't miss it go to Bender's Bar big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018
6: goes down come smoke with your boy
8: spark is san francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu friendly staff and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in san francisco spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient Updated every three parsecs. Tim's Tesseract.
5: Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio, brother.
0: Asiento.
9: Come in after work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place.
1: The doors closed. That is even better. I can do jokes to anything. That is so exciting. And I always know when a magic joke
0: lands.
1: David Zazukercher, run of the ones that do. Yeah, yeah. I get enough props. I cannot give enough gummy treats. I made gummy bears today and have been eating them. They're exciting. That is real. That is the thing I did today.
0: I feel real good.
1: It's funny because it's like, ooh, how's your art going? And I'm like, I'm making some good gummy bears that I can't sell anymore. I so I have a bunch of hobbies that will never make. Yay. Yeah. Comedy is so cool. It's a Friday night. I did, I did put a lot of time into tonight's show. It's a Hell hatch sh- Hell in a Handbasket show.
7: Not just a Hell Hat.
1: The hell Hat shows. I sit in a corner for two hours and write down whatever comes into my head. And people are like, "Why is it always about cats?" And I'm like, "Welcome to my show." But tonight, I actually put together a bunch of pictures, and they're great. I didn't actually want to deal with the baskets because I'm trying to get into the 21st century, so I put them on the iPad, So you can all see the pictures. That the three. Who were booked on the show didn't show up for so we're gonna have other comedians who showed up who are awesome be in their places. But uh, the other cool thing is that each like round this time has a theme that no one knows about but me. And whoever guesses the theme in the audience, these throngs of audience, I was gonna give
0: them the
1: weed gummy bears that I made. I made so many. <laughs> I, yeah, I fucking figure, you know, fuck this podcast, let's talk about, let's talk about, so I've been dealing with weed and fat for so long, because weed is fat soluble, which most everybody knows, which is why it lasts in your
0: system for 22 days,
1: like fucking drug tests, you like, well how many days do I have to burn out and sweat? And the problem is that weed is fat soluble, so you have to burn that fat, so it's, yeah, Jake Silverman, he knows about burning fucking fat. This guy knows. I was talking about THC and how it's attached to your fat. And you got to burn the fat so that if you have a drug test. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I've been dealing with the weed gummy. I have weed gummy bears for you. I just figured this out today, and I'm a genius. I'm like, ha-ha. I also have this other thing I made. It's weed eye coffee. <laughs> you guys. Fucking high, yeah. We did it last night. We had a g- everyone's texting me today. They're like, "I had a really good time last night. I don't know if it was the open mic or the weed coffee." I'm like, "Clearly, it was the weed coffee." you weirdos? Uh, so tonight is a hell in a handbasket, though. And when you're oh look, yay! And know the comedians aren't here, but the audience showed up. Yay! Uh, you remember Jake Silverman from Portland, Oregon? Uh, I grab those treats out of the back, and let's just start everybody eating them like crazy. You know what I'm talking about? What? He's returning from the first radio comedy festival. He's back, and he's like, there's still nobody here. Yay. Isn't that funny? But there are 40,000 people listening, right, people? Yay. Thank you so much. When the comedians get in, I really did, like, make it together today. scroll through them and be all, like, we just have to get another comedian in here and we'll be fine. We can get going. Get Jay, someone get Jay Wook in there, get started up. I could, I could tell you guys a joke I've been working on lately. Um, We all, uh, isn't our first lady the cutest? Isn't she? She looks so good even when she frowns. Like, she is so pretty. Melania. Melania? Melania. How do we pronounce her name? You guys know? Melania. Melania. Good. I don't know how to pronounce her name because she never speaks. She speaks Four languages. French, Italian, German, English. Just talk in one language, sweetheart. I'd love it. What are you going to say? Anything. J'aime mon vin. I love wine. Yeah, I do too. Let's get with Jesus and be together with this. Uh, What a lovely and amazing looking lady she is. I don't know which country she's from, it's either Slovenia or Slovakia, but both countries border hungry, and she is starving. (laughs) You know what I mean? So skinny and pretty. She's starving. Third wife eyes down. Yeah, come on in, Casey. Yeah, Jake, come on in so we can start the show, because you're the other person on it. Yay. He is so ready. This is very exciting. So Jake Silverman coming from Oregon thought that he was going to do so material nay, you are on the hell hat, ha ha. I mean, hell in a handbasket. So we have these handbaskets I usually make people deal with, but I tried to like get 31st century here, and I have them all on the iPad. So it's gonna be crazy, I know. So if we could, so here's the way it works. It's Just like Chopped, except it's with comedy premises. Okay. The first set has four comedians. They look and, Avery. and you're all from different places. You're from Texas, you're from Portland, you're from here, you're from Sacramento. uh uh-huh. And you all have to touch on the following four things in your sets, And you get to have the iPad with you. Here we go. Okay, so number one is animal-style fries. Kay? There they are, animal-style fries. Number two is a cat that has been shaved in a beautiful or horrible way. <laughs> okay. Number three is a chocolate lab that says all foods must go to the lab for testing. <laughs> and number four is floaty potato. Okay, so before we start, do any of Audience, want to guess <laughs> what? As you get gummy treats with weed in them for knowing what's happening. Here again are the things that the four comedians are going to be dealing with. Floaty potato, which I think. I think it's what are they called their uh, manatees? I think it's manatees. floaty potato. All foods must go to the lab for testing. It's a black lab eating burger. Also. Cat shaved in a deliciously horrible style. And then these fries. What is the, no, it's the answer is not animals. What is the answer? What is the theme behind everything here? These fries, this cat, this dog. I actually gave you the. What is the, does anyone know what the, what was the first thing, what do we call this? That, that is the name. Anthony Medina wins the fucking streets. yes he does. All right, so, but these four comedians are gonna have to go up. Jake Silverman obviously isn't gonna go first cause he's gonna go potty. But in your set, you have to mention these four things. Animal style fries. and a floaty potato. All work together. All right, so maybe Jake Silverman first. But I think we actually we should bring up the, the hero from the last, uh, yeah, you're gonna go up first. Fuck yeah, you are. He he won this at the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, up with people from other places and amazing states. He beat out Mikey McKernan, who everyone says is not funny, but that is what his <laughs> own it's his own, his own bumper sticker. His, uh, uh, his own bumper sticker says he is not funny, so I think it's a gag. I don't understand his jokes, but your first Comedian of the Night is gonna, he's gonna deal with his past beauty and wonderfulness and kill it right now. Everybody from Sacramento, Jaywalk! <laughs>
10: In no order, God, like a bad dream for a fat guy, right? Uh, Pam, don't go the wrong way.
0: Don't go the wrong
10: way. I don't know about you guys, but uh, Steve Jobs, before he died, okay, he talked about this floating potato thing, the manatee. Did you guys hear about this? He said it's most likely the one animal that can read our thoughts. We need to fucking kill manatees, man. I don't know about you guys, that's a pretty good superpower. I don't know how you think you could do better, you know, but I mean, maybe it'd be used as a manatee, right? I mean, how many manatee attacks happened last year? One. Yeah, one. You guys know where it happened? Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah. True bro fact. It's a true bro fact, all right? The attack was, it assaulted a woman. So again, can you get behind my cause of killing the manatees? Come on, guys. They can read your thoughts and they're assaulting our women. Give it up. Come on. Or you like that? All right. Ugh. I would love to go animal style all over this pussy. I don't know about you guys. I grew up with a dazzling, and this is like pizzazzling, and like a motherfucker. This looks like.
9: in San Francisco. spiritual psychology with Renee McKenna I'm a therapist and healer here in San Francisco and if you want real change on a soul level you've come to the right place (laughs)
11: So, what did you want to work on? We were talking about receiving and giving and, you know, those are like breathing in and breathing out, giving and receiving. Most of us are better at one thing than the other. (laughs) Most people are not very good at receiving. But Mm. why don't you talk a little bit about your relationship with, with what's been happening Um, for you that shows you that you need to do a little bit of work to open up to receive better?
12: Uh, Well, I think I had this time in my life for a while where um, I was just not getting much nourishment, like emotional nourishment um, or physical, I guess. Or, uh, well, just not getting a lot from an, a previous significant other. Mm-hmm. And now I'm currently with someone who is so generous. Uh, I think, yeah, I think before I just kind of got to a place where. Even I would ask for something in like very extreme circumstances. Like, when, it, for instance, when it was my birthday, my ex would say, happy birthday, baby, and give you a, uh, a kiss on the cheek. Not even a card, nothing. Would never plan anything or, you know, not make me dinner, not pick me flowers, like just nothing ever. And uh, one wow. time I was super sick on my birthday and um had asked him you know he didn't do the same thing you know happy birthday baby give me a kiss and i was just kind of laying around being sick all day and i was kind of weak and pathetic and i hadn't eaten and i just said yeah could you do you think you can make me dinner i don't care if it's something just like really just like rice and veggies or whatever and he was like ah! <laughs> and, I, wow. I, and i was like all right never mind and he's like no i'll do it and so I just got to this place where I just hated having needs, period, because they just were not going to be fulfilled even if I asked for them, so I just kind of gave up. And um, yeah, so now I'm seeing this person who's just super generous, who's like, I'm going to the store, do you want anything? Or just, will bring me treats, or do all these things. And then I had this experience around, or before Christmas time, where he was, like, we went to a store together just so, like he took me there so I could get stuff for my new apartment, and it was really sweet. And like, I'm getting the stuff. and I'm not thinking anything else is gonna happen. And I'm just telling him, like, oh, I tried to get this pan, and it was too expensive. And the lady's giving me all this rigmarole. And he's like, Oh, what pan was it that you wanted? And I just felt like, what? You're gonna try to get me the pan? So it's way too expensive. I just like change the subject and let's go well. And then <laughs> there was uh, we came across this display of weighted blankets and. Um, I had read about them before, and heard they were really good for anxiety, and there was a woman there talking to the sales lady about her, her grandson was autistic, and you know she thought it would be really good for him, so they were talking all about it, and I was like, oh, did you see the Tumble Grandin movie? <laughs> so we were just talking about weighted blankets, and then we kind of left there, and he was like, oh, so if you, thought if you were going to get one of those, do you think you would want the 12 pounds, the 15 pounds, the 20 pounds, do you like the brown one, do you like the gray one? And, again, I just, like, kind of ran away. I just didn't really know what to say. <laughs> and I was like, well. And another time he said, oh, what do you think about these pillows? And I was like, oh, they're nice. They're, I don't know. They're pillows, whatever. And he's like, well, now I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to buy some new pillows for my bed because you're going to be staying over there. And I was like, what? No, you should get pillows that you like that work for you. And he's like, no, but you're going to stay staying there. I want you to be comfortable. And I was like, oh, and I ran away, I guess. <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> there's a pattern here of running away <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> that kind of seems to be a thing and then um so i did let him get me the weighted blanket very sweet and he got me a mattress topper for my bed so it wouldn't be as like actively trying to kill me the mattress <laughs> it's like slightly less uncomfortable now and um He's just constantly wanting to do stuff for me and get stuff for me, which is so sweet, logically. I recognize that. It's amazing. It's sweet. It's wonderful. It's the best. And then I just kind of, I just, I just run that away. I just feel like, this is the craziest thing ever. Why? What is happening here? And I think it kind of freaks me out. And so I don't want to mess up the relationship by being super weird. I think I have also have a little fear that um, I I have historically had issues with taking care of myself financially, and I don't want to end up in some weird situation where he's like enabling me or something like that. Um, and and so just putting attention on that, and also wanting to be able to uh, take in generosity where it is for dissenting itself in my life, yeah.
11: And so what's your relationship with giving to others?
12: Oh my God, I love to give, like when I have money, oh, I could just give and give and give and I feel so good and I feel so, I don't know, it feels really, really good when I, uh, yeah, there's just been points in the past where I had money or I went overboard with credit cards or whatever. but. Just really enjoy giving to people, and you know, like finding something they like, or providing an experience, or anything like that. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I love it. It makes me feel uh, maybe in some ways like I don't want to say not quite powerful, but like I, I guess yeah, like I have something to give. <laughs> I think something like that, something in there about that.
11: I'm going to poke at that a little bit. So what? So what yeah. feels good about giving? Because I I happen to understand the <laughs> the benefits of generosity so, for myself. So what's it like yeah. to be generous with others?
12: Um, uh, it feels good. Uh, okay. Also, I was I worked as a fundraiser for a while. And I really started to see how people didn't, you know, I always thought like, oh, how am I gonna, and first, how am I gonna convince people to give money to this thing? And it turns out people really love to do that, especially if people have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have the experience of doing the on the ground, you know, boots on the ground kind of uh, grassroots work maybe they're working all the time or whatever, but they have money and they feel like, wow, that's a great way that I can contribute because I can't be this you know, volunteer 24 seven person like these other lucky people, but I can give money and that makes me feel really good and like I'm okay. helping people and helping whatever cause. And so, yeah, I remember times when I could take people out to dinner or get them the thing that they really wanted or surprise somebody with a gift or an experience or something. And I think I felt really good about myself when I did that.
11: So what do you think feels good about that in your experience as a... Fundraiser, and also just in your own experience, what do you think feels good about giving?
12: Like contributing to something larger than oneself, or fundraising for sure.
11: Right. So there's a sense of connection with the larger society, yeah. with the larger world, with a larger cause.
12: Yeah, doing something good. Um, yeah.
11: And in, individually. Uh, what happens when we give generously to another?
12: I think it it feels very abundant and prosperous that we can, I don't in some ways it's like giving love or something. Mm
11: -hmm. It it can be absolutely a physical expression of love when the giving is pure. Mm
12: -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, not I just mean, like ten, a, I guess certificate or something, but you know, or even that, maybe, uh, depending on what and the person and everything. So it's but an yeah.
11: extension of your feelings of your energy toward the person in physical form to connect with them. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so <laughs> in order for giving to be, to work to be receiving, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, they really really go together. You can't, it is hard to give if someone won't receive.
12: (laughs) I know, I'm thinking back on the times now where I spent a bunch of time creating something for someone, and like, what if I was giving it to them and they ran away? (laughs) It was terrible. <laughs> oh, awful. Oh God. Yeah. I love that.
11: So, how is it? How is it to look at it that way? As I mean, I really see it as like breathing and breathing out. It's really two sides. It can't be giving without receiving.
12: Yeah. It's funny too because I have totally seen it like that in areas of my life where someone has offered me help. And I feel like, oh my God, there's never going to be any way in the world that I could possibly repay that person for all their kindness and generosity. There's just no way. And so I pass it on to someone else, kind of thing. Right. Pay and for that, it. that, yeah. And that feels normal and good. But yeah, I'm still just having this weird block. Around, I guess maybe it's just specifically in a romantic relationship because whatever, being like sort of deprived for a while or something, it's hard to open up again to, I guess, feel safe or something to acknowledge that I have needs and that someone else might be able to help me with them. Ugh.
11: Ugh. <laughs> so what's ugh? Is there? Do you think it has anything to do with vulnerability?
0: Or, yes. Yes.
11: And what is it? What's vulnerable about receiving for you?
0: No, no. Let's see.
11: I mean, I think it is for most people.
0: I guess it's like,
12: like, yeah, like say with this blanket, I feel, some part of me feels a little defensive, like, you know, it's fine, it's not like I'm cold or I can't relax or find a way to relax on my own, like, you know, you giving me this thing is it going to solve all my problems or anything. <laughs> God, it's just something a little more crazy the more I say it out loud.
11: Well, I think it's it's important to unpack what our defenses are Mm -hmm. around the openness of being receptive.
0: Yeah. And,
11: I mean, I think in general, certainly culturally, I mean, I think about as a nation, like Uh the other nations or the organizations or social whatever that we give to as a nation tend to be things that are needy, that are disempowered, And so there can be a connection, I think, culturally with receiving having to do with being in deficit.
12: Oh yeah, it's like that whole oh, "I don't take charity" kind of attitude,
11: right? We're we're receiving is about charity as opposed to about an ex- an energy exchange of love or care
12: mm-hmm. or humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
11: And Ooh. you know, from the largest from like an archetypal standpoint, from an archetype standpoint, if we look at masculine and feminine, um, which have nothing to do with genitals, but the masculine and feminine principles, the masculine Mm -hmm. being the kind of active, protective, intellectual, the giver, the one that's putting energy out, right, um, and then the feminine being the more receptive, uh, wisdom-oriented, um, surrendered, vulnerable, that's traditionally been seen as a weakness.
12: Right. As
11: a, and, and, you know, really, my, I know I thought that that was a weakness for a lot of my life. And, you know, having, it was really, for me, when I had children, and, and how to open up to the experience of being a mother, of surrendering to the birth process, of being willing Mm. to receive these children in my life and surrender to them, um, Mm. that I understood the tremendous strength that's in that experience and the grace Mm. that comes through that when we can surrender to the life force in that Mm. way. Mm
12: -hmm. Uh, It
11: takes tremendous courage, actually, and trust to open up Mm. and not try to control what comes to us. Mm. And to Mm -hmm. really lay ourselves open to the life experience, which, I mean, in a microcosm could be what receiving a gift is. It's about I'm going to receive what you give me and not question it and see what it wants to offer me as opposed to trying to control what it is or control you and how you give it to me. Yeah. So it really takes it really takes a tremendous amount of, I think, courage and strength to do that, but it's a different kind of courage. It's a receptive, yeah. vulnerable strength. Yeah So I don't know. how is it to hear that? What do you, what do you think about that?
12: Yes, that makes me think of two exes ago who would give me things maybe in a little bit of a manipulative way. Like I gave you this, so I get this. And then my dad too, um, just always feeling kind of obligated there. And there being a history of sexual abuse and then him giving me money. Which you know, maybe on some level was him apologizing or something, but then me feeling obligated to, you know, show up for events that he was at or you know, family gatherings or whatever that I did not feel comfortable at.
11: So that's the but, Yeah, it does feel vulnerable. Right but yeah. that's the shadow side of giving and receiving the giving and receiving are often yeah. used as power tools and manipulation and mm. control mechanisms that I'll give you this if you do that or I'll right. give you this if you don't do that. Yeah. And if you don't do what I want then you aren't going to receive what I'm going to give you which is right. which is really you know, that's the that's the dark side of giving. That is not giving love. that's about power and manipulation and control.
12: Yeah, it kind of sounds like the whole patriarchy thing. Like, I'll give you protection if you have sex with me, or whatever agreements have been made in the past. So I think it's important for,
11: for us to take responsibility for our part in that.
12: Yeah. And
11: responsibility for when so this is about discernment too. I think yes. it's very, it's very easy to have. All of us have had bad experiences with giving and receiving, and mm-hmm. it is out of integrity to be vulnerable to manipulative giving. Like that's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's important to right. smell that out and and make the decision. It's actually prost, we're actually prostituting ourselves if we mm-hmm. receive and allow ourselves to be manipulated. Yeah. And. But to throw all receiving, what just happened?
12: (laughs) Uh, Just thinking of receiving and allowing ourselves to be manipulated like my whole time in my spiritual community.
11: Do you want to say a little bit uh, about that? That I recently left.
12: Um, Just receiving the spiritual teachings and sort of esoteric knowledge and then allowing myself to be manipulated into doing excessive service or being treated in certain ways or um, uh, kind of encouraged to not be my authentic self. Yeah, that was- And to submit uh, to the
11: teacher without question.
12: Yes, and that, no questioning.
11: Which is- where it gets dangerous. I think that's the part. And the
12: teacher you know. actually said to me during our ending time, I gave you everything. Which was <laughs> quite telling. My God, right. OK. And it's actually not true. Yeah.
11: Because teacher gave you some things and then asked you to give everything.
12: Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, there's a lot there to work with.
11: There is. So, So the discernment to know when it's appropriate and healthy and a growing edge to be vulnerable to healthy, loving, giving, and when it's not appropriate when there's manipulation happening, when it's a power issue, and. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think for myself, I tend to feel that in my body. My brain will mm-hmm. often have a story around it that's confusing, but I'll often feel it really in in my belly, which is like my third chakra, which is our power center, right? Um, yeah. For me, I don't know where you feel it, when, when you feel like, ah, oh, no, 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 this doesn't feel right. Somebody's trying to manipulate me.
0: Mm. Do you
11: have that experience in your body?
12: Yeah, so it feels right like back? second and third chakras. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
11: Which is about relationship and it's our how we connect with others. Yeah. And and our personal power. Yeah. So It's very easy to, you know, if we have if we abused and you know in in whatever way we've been if there's been power abuse in our life, it's very easy to just want to avoid all receiving.
12: Yes, it is.
11: But it's kind of an immature approach because, and what happens is, I mean, we may quote unquote keep ourselves safe, but we're also totally negating the possibility of the, the genuine connection and the reception of love that is coming toward us and and the growth and nourishment that can come from that.
0: Mm.
12: Mm-hmm.
11: <sighs> yeah. That Yeah. I mean I think, you know, from from my perspective it's it's about maturing our own feminine receptivity that everybody mm. has men have that too like we all need to learn
12: totally.
11: you know the imbalance of of the masculine force in our world really needs to be counterbalanced by this ability to have a strong grounded wise ability to receive when appropriate
12: yeah
11: and to be able to discern that in a mature way
12: yeah does that sound
11: accurate to you or
12: very accurate yes
11: okay okay so i think the first place so do you have anything else what comes up with all that before we kind of go into doing some work anything you want
12: to uh nothing to add that all feels super appropriate and spot on okay great
11: so why don't you take a minute and ground yourself Body and call in spiritual help, guides and teachers, whatever wants to come. I think, particularly, aspects of the divine feminine that you might be connected with, mm-hmm. and we can see if there's more that wants to be added to that can really assist in the development of this kind of discernment and maturing this ability and clearing anything that is keeping you in this kind of defensive wounded place. Yeah. So who sows that when we offer that?
12: What wants to happen? Uh, turtle and The Empress.
11: And where are they in relation to you? Uh,
12: In my body. Uh, Turtle, second chakra, Empress, third chakra.
5: Great.
11: So before we even start, see if there's anything that they wanna do or communicate with you in those energy centers that wants to happen to prepare for this or anything initiatory or any, any healing that wants to happen before we even move any further.
12: They just kind of wanted to get closer. So they're touching.
11: And so, if you think about these, these teachers
0: mm-hmm.
11: and your relationship with them, are you defended against them? Do you feel open to them? What's your relationship with their energy?
12: Very open.
11: And what allows you to have that level of openness with them?
12: I I just know that they have my best interest and my growth at heart, in their heart. And how do you know that? How do
11: you discern that they have your best interest at heart? How does that feel in your body?
12: Oh. Mm. Or other ways you might know. Yeah, it just feels calm. Like I'm not nervous or anxious in any way. Feels grounded and calm.
11: And you trust that in yourself.
12: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
11: So just to notice that you have very easily the ability to discern when it's safe to trust and be vulnerable. Do you see that? Yeah. Did yeah. you know that, or is that new information?
12: I guess I know that. <laughs> I just have felt like in the past, if there was something where I felt anxious or whatever, I, especially if it was a, with a person who I felt like I should trust and feel good about, I would just tell myself some story and talk myself into it. Rather than listening to that feeling and going with it.
11: And how did that go for you when you did that?
12: Never well. <laughs> <laughs> very, very catastrophically badly.
11: Right. And where did that training come from? to go against your own internal process and oh. tell yourself you should trust this person, and open yourself against your own bit of judgment?
12: Yeah, childhood sexual abuse by relatives who are supposed to be caring for me and protecting me. Like, they couldn't be doing that to me. That just doesn't make any sense. And so I'm just going to make up a story in my mind about how great right. they so are. So there's
11: a... Right, so there's a terrible, there's a terrible splitting between your own experience and the external reality. Right, well, yeah. I mean, the not the external reality, but the perceived reality or the idealized reality.
12: Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, so
11: there's your experience yeah. that this isn't trustworthy, and then there's this idealized reality that it should be trustworthy.
12: Yes, correct.
11: Right, so that... So, I mean, just to have compassion for yourself that that split between the narrative and the experience makes a lot of sense.
12: Yes, it does. Right? Logically, (laughs) yes. Okay. So,
11: So if we go into, so take, for example, you know, you just gave a couple of great examples of being out shopping with this really generous person that you're dating and them wanting to purchase something for you and asking questions yeah. about what it is that you would like and you running away. So yeah. before you run away, <laughs> um, <laughs> so if once you become aware that they want to give something to you, yeah. so like pick one of those examples, right? And, um, And see if you can sense or feel or imagine once you become aware that they want to give to you and what happens in your body.
12: I just feel kind of overcome with fear. (laughs) It's like a total flight response. I feel like a a deer and I just want to flee. I just want to run through the forest and jump over the fences and ah.
11: Hence the <laughs> running away. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so if you bring your... No one is safe to do that. How do you experience that fear in your body? Where is it? Where does that fear live?
12: It's like, it in your throat
11: and chest and belly. Right?
12: Yeah, yeah, chest, throat, head. Okay. And it kind of starts in my chest and then just kind of goes
0: up. Sorry.
11: And so, if you bring your awareness even closer to that fear that comes up yeah. when someone is threatening generosity, <laughs> what? That feels like the right way to say that. (laughs) Uh, See, and your guys and teachers might be able to show you this, see if you can sense or feel or imagine perhaps the very first time you felt that particular kind of fear. Doesn't have to make any sense, we aren't really looking for a memory, just what comes up when I offer that possibility. When was the first time? First experience of this particular fear in your chest and throat, and going up into your head. And what comes up when I offer that possibility of being shown or knowing that origin of this dynamic?
12: Okay, what comes up is the time where I had asked my teacher a question about my writing Um, and she didn't know anything about what I was writing but just kind of went off on me about what I which I guess what she thought I was writing about why I would be writing it how I had done that over and over again how instead I should write what she wanted me to write that is what i remember having that feeling where things just went like up and out and then from there i just kind of left my body and, just, and that was it gone
11: okay so let's see if you can if we can sense or feel or imagine that part of yourself that's just had this experience of you know, talking about this creative project and having this respo- this particular response that was really disturbing for you, and leaving you body. So, see if you can notice, like, where you were sitting or standing, or where are you in that moment in time? Uh uh-huh. You got that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Where Where are you? Just a little bit,
12: just if you could describe a little bit about what you sent to a I started out um, sitting in a chair and just across from the teacher thinking, I'll just ask the question and then leave for the night. And then I asked the question from sitting in the chair and the teacher started going on and on. And I remember, I think I got up to get my coat and sort of go by the door try to signal that I was leaving and that the conversation could end at any time. And then I remember being just sort of like backed up against a wall and just feeling like, oh God, I just want to get out of here. And then really feeling that feeling of like, whoosh, I just left my body and I was crying and... And the teacher was saying like, where did you go? Where are you? You're not here right now, or something like that. OK. Yeah.
11: So let's see if if you can sense or feel or imagine bringing yourself as you are today with all the work that you've done, and bringing Turtle and Empress with you, and stepping into the scene with this part of yourself that sounds like she's pretty traumatized. And. Yeah. I'll come with you too and we want to tell her that we're here to help her and that she doesn't need to be alone with this anymore and that there's a lot of help for her. We really see her and understand what's happening for her. And how is it for her to hear that? Very she,
12: she should't be alone anymore. And what's emotional about it for her? It to be seen did and feel supported. so alone in this moment. the mm-hmm. teacher was laying into her, and the teacher's significant other was there in the room, clearly very uncomfortable, but not stepping in in any way or not saying anything. and so. So there's even some social
11: embarrassment and kind of being ganged up on, even though the the partner might not have been saying anything. Yeah. Okay. And so how do the guys and teachers feel about her?
12: They are so over her.
11: How do the guys and teachers feel about the traumatized part of yourself?
12: uh I feel like, damn, she was really stepping up in that moment and trying to share something creative that was potentially going to uplift her in a really dark, depressed time and was just met with weird negativity and controllingness and. Okay, mm, vehement controllingness, I would say. Okay. Not any kind of freedom or encouragement or friendship even.
11: And how does this the traumatized part of yourself feel about the guys and
12: teachers? She feels amazed. Because she just had felt totally alone at that time, and was amazed that there are beings out there who are in support of her, period. And
11: so if she feels into her body, does she feel like she can trust them? Yeah. Or does that trust need to be earned by them?
12: No, she trusts them. Okay.
11: So I think the first thing that we might want to do is see this, that there's part of her that left her body mm. and see if, if you or the traumatized part of yourself or your guys and teachers can become aware of where that life energy went. Because when we talk about leaving our body, you know, in spiritual psychology, that's literal. Like a part of us actually shears off and leaves, and yeah, really I feel like really it's still...
12: yeah, that's definitely what it felt like. I yeah. feel like that part of me is still residing there in that house. Okay,
11: so can Empress or Turtle? collect it back, or does another garden teacher need to do that?
12: No, they got it. Okay.
11: And that, the life energy that was separated out, does she need anything before she returns back into the hole?
12: The empress collected her off the ceiling, an internal Took her into her body and it feels like kind of processed to her or something like, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, sort of pulled out or, God, what even would that be? Like disintegrated the parts that were attached to the teacher and brought back the... Authentic me parts, and then it can be. It feels like not. a little bit
11: of a digestive process happened.
12: Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Digestive. Yes.
11: Right. So, so like separating now out can what's be... not.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
11: Right. So to take the nourishment and release what's not helpful
12: anymore. Correct. Okay.
11: And. How does that life energy get restored back to this part that was traumatized?
12: Uh, Then the turtle comes up to uh, my second, third chakras, me, my adult self, and Mm -hmm. uh, attaches her little soft underbelly to me, and it's Mm -hmm. kind of just, um devolve into me.
11: Okay, so see if you can really just surrender to that and open to receiving back that life energy into your body. You might feel a filling sensation, you might not. And what
12: happens when you do that? Do you notice anything? You might not. It's all really amazing and good and beautiful and golden and sparkly and warm and creative. Great. So
11: really integrating and allowing that energy to infiltrate and find its home back physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically, creatively, sexually, socially. It may and it may integrate all the way down to the soles of your feet and the tips of your fingers up to the crown of your head. It'll find its place.
12: Yeah, it looks like it's reaching out into all the cracks and crevices and putting the roots down and sending branches up and out. Excellent. really wanted to return.
11: So this is one of the major
12: Aspects and causes of trauma is when
11: parts of ourselves shear off because they don't know how to manage the experience we're having and they, and they get we get kind of shattered or separated out and then there's not a coming back together. And so bringing, bringing that which fled back is
0: really important. Yeah. Mm.
11: So really giving that some space, and how does that feel to receive back this part of your own life energy?
12: It feels shocking and really good and very nourishing and enlivening.
11: So ask Turtle if there's anything else to be complete with that integration, that retrieval of that part of your soul and life energy.
12: She says that she is the discerning wisdom and she has her two sides where she can be soft and receptive. And she could also be very discerning and protective. And so she, that is why she lives in my second chakra. Excellent.
11: And so does that feel complete for
9: right now?
12: Well, Empress is also else? there, and she's just pointing out that it can be a very powerful okay. experience to receive. It can feel really glorious and regal and wonderful, which is definitely not how I thought about it, mm-hmm. uh, but that feels right. Great.
11: So now what we want to do is this part of yourself that was traumatized, we want to get her out of that scene. That happened a long time ago. There's absolutely no purpose in staying there. And she already lived through it. And we've collected what needs to be collected here. And we want to bring her into present time. and so we want to bring her maybe to a safe and sacred place maybe a place in nature maybe a place you've been before a place that has only your highest mm-hmm. been in mind And where would you bring her?
12: That's a special garden that I go to by the ocean. Other parts have gone for healing, for healing and sunny and warm and lavish earth-wise.
11: And so how is it for her to be there in this place?
12: Uh, it feels like such a relief I just could just lay on the grass and stare up at the sky and cry and feel held by all the guides and teachers there and rejuvenated.
11: Great. So let her really receive from the earth and from
12: the heavens and from the
11: sky really come into present time Knowing that she is held, and loved, and seen, and understood. She's safe in this place. And how is it for her to do that?
12: Very healing. She no longer feels like such a victim then she doesn't feel alone and she feels like she's getting her power back and creativity
0: so just
11: really again allowing yourself to receive and noticing how it feels in your body to receive in this way. How is it to receive
0: in this way?
12: That's so amazing and wonderful.
0: That feels like
12: a pure love. Like in its purest form. Not Trying to get anything that with any and result just mind,
0: pure exchange of love, energy.
11: And so, just allowing yourself to receive and consciously notice how you have an innate ability and a healthy ability to receive when it's safe to do that in a really open way and vulnerable way. Can you see that and feel that? Yeah. So that's really great. You have that. So there is a natural discernment that's there and well-developed. Does that make sense?
12: Can
0: you
11: yeah. that? Yeah. Hi. Okay. Is there more that that part of yourself needs to receive in this place from the earth and from the sky?
12: She's receiving warm sunshine, and the beautiful smells of the flowers, super sweet. The earthy smell of the grass, and all the hedges, and plants, and flowering trees, and the dirt. And the smell of the ocean, and the sound of the ocean nearby. Right. So
11: really using all of her senses yeah. to receive the connection with yeah. the earth yeah. and the cosmos.
0: Yeah. yeah.
11: Validating her to renewing her, restoring and refreshing her. Yeah. for her natural place as a part of this world, to breathe in and breathe out.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
11: And how is it for her to do that?
12: It makes it feel, or not even it makes it feel like, but it is a, but a visceral representation of giving and receiving. And someday, like, she'll die and her bones will go back to nourish the earth. Mm-hmm. It's all very cyclical. Not, no part of it is more or less important than the other.
11: And how is it for her to surrender to that cycle, be a part of it? An important part
12: of it, an intrinsic part of it. Fine and natural. Excellent. So I wonder if you can
11: sense or feel imagine bringing yourself as you are today into this place with this part of yourself, into the garden. with this teaching that's happening, with this restoring of her natural order. Mm. And
12: how do you feel about this part of yourself? Uh, I feel like fucking welcome back, friend. It's been a long time. And how does she feel about you? She's amazed. Like the her from back then never thought things could be different. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was falling into a deeper and deeper kind of suffering that there was no escape from. hmm
11: Does she know what's happened since that time? Does she know what's happening in her life today?
12: Yeah, she's got some kind of a big download and she's shocked and amazed and happy and relieved.
11: And what makes her happy and what's the relief?
12: Happy to be free and relief to Like she, the her back then, didn't have to go through all that I did to get out of that situation. Like four years of suffering. Right. She gets to just experience my current mind state, which is free from that particular part of my suffering that existed back then.
11: Right. Well, you already lived through it once. We don't need to do it again.
12: Exactly.
11: Right. So... Does this part of yourself want to stay in this garden to kind of continue to restore herself, or is she interested or willing to come and be a part of your life today to rejoin the greater whole?
12: Oh, she would like to join the greater whole. Excellent. So,
11: and are you? Is there anything you need to do or change to make room to? Support and love and nourish this part of yourself in the way that she's
12: always needed. Yeah, as she lays there, all the guys and teachers come around and just lay their hands on her. Mm. And they're just sometimes their Claws. <laughs> or. Mm-hmm bellies or hooves <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. um, just like kind of toning mm-hmm. whatever their form of chanting or noise-making is hmm. Imbuing her with their power and mm-hmm. love mm. So my sense is,
11: is that this part of yourself that fled is actually a really powerful, sacred part of you. How is it to hear that?
12: Uh, It feels really good. It feels shocking, but familiar. This
11: is one of the real tragedies of this kind of trauma. It's also, I think, the purpose, like the wisdom in this kind of trauma, is that the most sacred, the best parts of ourselves Flee so that they aren't harmed in a way to keep themselves safe. Yeah, but but the problem is, like that's the intention. But the problem is, they leave us and then we don't have access to them anymore.
12: Yeah, we need that part.
11: And we're limping around with one leg.
12: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So.
11: toning that they're doing with her? Let me know when that feels complete.
12: And what's happening? I just completed and I was just... So, let's see. And so
11: what's the ritual of reconnection they suggest? I, I can direct it if that's appropriate, or the guys and teachers may have a ritual of reconnection. We want to integrate these two parts of yourself. Your your adult ego state as you are now with this soul level part of yourself that's now in present time and ready to return to greater home
12: There was also this sort of spontaneous shedding of all of her clothes because when she was in that situation, she had on like, it was very cold outside at the time in life and she had on many, many layers and during the traumatic body leaving thing, um, there was just so much sweating, <laughs> you it was really super hot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when she came into the garden, it just felt like this natural, you know, the sun was shining, she just felt naturally warm and not like terribly uncomfortable or anything, not like sweating and awful. It's just like it was okay to take off the layers and the barriers mm. and the protective armor and just be herself. Oh, what a beautiful be naked metaphor. And be and vulnerable. hmm hmm hmm
0: hmm
11: And so tell me about her. Tell me about her. What's good about her? What are her attributes and gifts and strengths and talents?
12: She feels like the super creative, sexual, um, kind of authentically spiritual, curious part of me that can connect to the world through senses through the senses mm. And who feels things very deeply and can translate it into writing usually or other things in a way that could potentially help other people or support other people or, entertain other people. And what's her
11: relationship with discerning what is trustworthy to receive and what is not trustworthy to receive?
12: She is really good at that and she needs the support of the rest of me to really show up and tell the truth in those moments of doubt or confusion.
11: So she feels like a totally feminine part.
12: Definitely.
11: And so I wonder if you can notice or invite an aspect or aspects of the healthy masculine within yourself? Yeah. And how do those show up to support her, to protect mm-hmm. her, to help her, mm-hmm. to give her voice in a safe way?
12: Hmm. Well, in the, the second chakra, there's young Chris Cornell, Hulamette have his creative vision compromised in any fucking way. Mm -hmm. And he totally supports whatever that is. And there's the Sun King in the third chakra who is like the powerful ruler who can make shit happen and who is totally like the Empress who's also there, totally sovereign and powerful in themselves and will support her, that part of me, and that.
11: And what's their relationship with her? How do they feel about her?
12: They miss her so fucking much. Mm. And how is it they for see. her
11: to have their service and support and strength in this way?
12: It kind of feels like a reunion Mm -hmm. Like she is a natural part of this inner pantheon That is a helper and a guide in her own Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. And she's starting to recognize her equality to all of them
11: And her value.
12: And her value. Mm -hmm.
11: And so how would she be integrated back? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, creatively, socially.
12: Mm. She is going to come back. And live in my body with the rest of the Pantheon connecting the second and third and fourth chakras. She's the one that came up with this saying where will and creativity meet heart, there is no fear. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> it has been trying to get that message to me for a while. Great. <laughs>
11: right. It's so interesting that this part of you that fled actually feels fearless. It really is. <laughs> <laughs>
12: yeah. But she has to be connected. She has to. She has
11: to be connected to be
12: fearless. Yeah. yeah. So this is the
11: disconnection the, is the misunderstanding. That's the truth. Yeah.
12: There is no, right. That's, that's the,
11: the lie. Yeah. And so how is she brought back into your body? Can you breathe her in? Do you hug her in? Do they bring her back? Really integrating her energy into your energy.
12: She steps in. Is like kind of like how who is it? The Venus, whoever that floats on the waves. Venus and Milo. Turtle. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. She's she's floating on the turtle and holding hands with the Empress and the Sun King. Excellent.
11: So really feel that in your body and knowing that restoring and reclaiming this part of yourself will inform and transform all areas of your life, whether you're aware of it or not. Again, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, professionally, creatively, sexually, socially, and that this integration of this part of yourself will continue to inform and transform you in all these areas in the days and weeks and months and even years to come, whether you're aware of it or not. And that this greater wholeness will increase your capacity and your energy and your ability of discernment and trust of yourself. and. Accurate trust or distrust of others, and uh, with the supportive configuration that is here, that, that will happen easily and naturally. This is a new configuration for you and your adult self to be able to receive openly when it's appropriate and to very clearly know when it's not and to trust that without question. So let's ask if there's anything else that wants to be done or communicated to be complete with this for right now. If there's anything, you guys, the teachers want to do anything. Part of yourself wants to do or communicate. Anything your personality, ego self wants to do or communicate. <sighs> See if there's anything to be complete. For right now, knowing this is going to continue to unfold.
12: Yeah, just a part of her that's connected to the heart chakra. It feels like there's um, like an innocence, curiosity, and at the same time loving protectiveness that is there also. in the heart chakra that has been missing that... So that's great. This
11: is really a part of your own authentic self. Yeah. So, it'd be very interesting to see how that wants to manifest in your life.
12: Yes, it will.
0: So,
11: you might want to take a moment and just express gratitude whatever way you want to do that for the help received the opportunity for healing for the return to wholeness and all the possibilities that it brings going forward and in this moment knowing that magic is real alchemy happens and healing is possible for all of us. I wanna thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably and all your really adept insights and, and allowing this process to happen because I really believe that whenever we heal on an individual basis we elevate the conversation for everyone we elevate the resonance what's happening here so serving ourselves serves everyone I really want to appreciate that
12: Thank you so much. You're
11: very welcome. So give yourself some rest. Drink a lot of water.
12: Yeah, gonna journal. That's a great idea. Write down what
11: happened and um, and blessings on your path.
12: Thank you so so much. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Mm -hmm. And check
11: in again I'd love
12: to hear what's happening okay we will do okay
11: thank you again we'll talk again
0: all
9: right okay. okay bye you're listening to spiritual psychology with Renee McKenna and if you're interested in having a session on the show you can send me a text 415 Six seven two four nine nine two. You can send me an email info at com. I'd look forward to talking to you love to set up a time we can set up time that's not actually live on the radio although I love to have people come into the station here and do work in person we can set up a time that works for you I do a lot of work over the phone if you're interested in setting up a personal session for yourself or someone that you love again, you can reach me at McKenna.com My info, my email is info at reneemckenna.com and call me at 415-672-4992. My sessions typically last 90 minutes and they're a blend of talking and then doing what I call the inner work, which is what mostly what you hear here on the radio. And so i want to transition to one of my favorite pieces of work these days it's actually based on a tibetan buddhist meditate well tibetan buddhist meditation um, it's called feeding your demons in its most traditional sense it was developed in the 11th century by a lama, a woman lama actually her name's machig labdrong and it's been brought to us in the west by a really wonderful woman spiritual teacher um, buddhist spiritual teacher in colorado named lama tsultrim aleoni she has a place called tara mandala beautiful place i haven't had the opportunity to be there yet but i support them and have done a lot of work with them online if she came to san francisco um over the summer, actually the beginning of the fall, it was great to meet her in person, and I got to ask her if I could use this process. of kind of modified the Feeding Your Demons process to blend it with spiritual psychology, and she gave her blessings for that, which I'm really grateful for. And so let's listen to the Feeding Your Demons process. This can be used. This is a fabulous, very feminine. Um, I like to use the. I really like to use the terminology feminine and masculine. I I think it's really helpful in the way the world is right now with all the institutional misogyny and internalized misogyny. Misogyny is (laughs) woman-hating or being averse to things that are female. Um, I know I had a lot of internalized misogyny and Basically because I had a mother who was raised in the 60s. You know, I was raised in the early 60s and 70s, and my mother was a child of the 40s and 50s and was a very meek, sickly person who deferred her power out to the men and other people in her life. And uh, she, <clears throat> she's a lot of the reason I'm a therapist. She's dead now, so I can talk openly about her. <laughs> um Blame mom for everything. No, we can't do that. I actually have a lot of forgiveness and compassion for my mother. But um looking at healing from a feminine perspective, it's much more about compassion and transformation and the highest good of everyone involved. And the masculine approach, which is a kind of a Western medicalized approach, tends to only look at the physical aspects of things, tends to be at war. Um, killing things, you know, there's a lot of killing metaphors, a lot of war, a lot of battling. Um, and, you know, I guess I've really come to believe that killing war and battling things, although it can produce change, it also has, creates more suffering. And I think that if I, if I think about the, leader, the world leaders, the people that have created the greatest change, they have approached the change... That they're creating from a feminine perspective even though most of them are men so dr. Martin Luther King Gandhi Jesus all very powerful teachers and bringers of social and internal change calling for healing and transformation opening of the heart that love and compassion and kindness are actually the greatest forces and You know, from the masculine perspective, those are seen as kind of weak, mamby-pamby, ineffective. And they don't produce change the same way as shooting someone in the head with a gun (laughs) or cutting their head off or throwing them in jail or beating them up. Um, Those are more instant change. But, you know, when you bring love to a situation, when you bring compassion and understanding to a situation, to the deepest, from a wisdom perspective, to the deepest needs that are present, you can actually heal the perpetrator. You can and when healing happens, healing is like alchemy. Healing is actually changing the ingredients of what's happening. It's like turning garbage into compost is alchemy, making a pickle out of a cucumber. And once you once garbage turns into compost, it can't turn back into garbage. Once a pickle um, is pickled, it can't be a cucumber again. And so once we have really created healing change in ourselves and others in the world, it can't go backwards. And that's part of the evolutionary flow, I think, is our call to grow in greater understanding of the unity and oneness of all of us, that when we harm another, another, we actually harm ourselves. And, you know, it may seem indirect, but on an, on a soul level, we are all connected. So Feeding your Demons is about dissolving whatever it is that's bringing suffering to our life. And maybe fear, it may be self judgment, it may be addiction, it may be old, unhealed emotional wounds. Um, so, this process is tremendously transformative. I use it on a regular basis myself. And um, so, I'm going to encourage you to listen to. Um, this came out of a workshop that i did and it's a little bit of a probably some it's it goes somewhat deeper than what i just said in the introduction and then we do the process itself so here we go feeding your demons on spiritual psychology with renee mckenna so um so this is an ancient Buddhist practice, um, Tibetan Buddhist practice, that was developed in the 11th century, actually, uh, by a Buddhist, a female lama named Machig Labdrung. And um, there's a woman today who lives in Colorado. Her name's Lama Tsultamalione, and a very cool lady. And she has rejuvenated the process um, and modernized it and calls it Feeding Your Demons. And I'm going to record what we're doing today um, so that you guys can have access to it. It's also available on YouTube. Um, And this is a practice that can be done on all kinds of different issues. Um, It's very, it's part of my spiritual practice today. So, what the idea is, is that um, we are instead of trying to make things go away, or kill them, or cut them, or, which is kind of very masculine practices that most of us do, we wanna like make things go away. Um, this is a very feminine practice, which actually addresses the deepest need of the issue, so that the, the, the issue itself is transformed. And kind of like we say, once you're a pickle, you'll never be a cucumber again. Once garbage becomes compost, once transformation happens, things are different on the other side and they don't Mm -hmm. come back. So often we spend our time trying to avoid these things that are painful and actually what we're going to do is we're going to try to really get clear and curious about it and we're going to bring it up and even turn the volume up
11: on.